Welcome to the Better Off Podcast. We're sponsored by Betterment. It's the largest independent online financial advisor. Today, our show, our main show, is all about you. Essentially, our inbox has flooded. It has like just gone on overdrive. Remember, if you'd like to get on the air with us, it's very easy. Send us an email, askjill at betteroffpodcast.com. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. It's very easy to do. Don't forget that you can download the show anywhere you get your podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe. Apple, Google Play, Radio.com, Stitcher, wherever. And if you are more interested in great content that we are creating, you can go to JillOnMoney.com, sign up for our free newsletter. You can do all sorts of things. However, we start today's show with Lisa, who is calling from the Bay Area. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to the program. What can I do for you? Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for taking my call. I've got this nagging problem that I I just can't for the life of me find a solution for and um, has to do with disability insurance. Which is the sexiest topic you could ever talk about. wonderful. I mean, come on. I've been thinking that I should want to get a long-term disability insurance policy for a while. When when my daughter was born uh, nine years ago, I applied for life insurance because we were all trying to get our ducks in a row and I was married at the time and Uh, while I applied for life insurance, I went ahead and said, sure, sign me up for disability too while we're at it because it seemed like a good idea. The, you know, the idea of ensuring my income if I were to become unable to work seemed like a good thing to do. Mm. And at the time, you know, I was married and I was the primary earner and I thought, sure, sign me up. Okay. I got the life insurance, no problem. And, you know, the premium suggests they think I'm going to live to 110, so that's right. And, and I'm sure you will, right? But then disability insurance—that was a different story. And I was denied. My application was denied. What? Yep. Um, at the time, you know, so this was in the year after my daughter was born, 2009, 2010, and I had just had a whole pile of blood work done um, at a doctor's, at a specialist office, because I had some wonky things going on after the baby was born, and. It looked sort of weird and nebulous, and they were wondering if I had some sort of arthritic thing going on. And Hmm. it turned out all of that eventually kind of shook itself out and was sort of much ado about nothing. But that was the reason my application was denied for disability insurance. And this is nine years ago, (laughs) and you were, besides that weirdo blood work, you were healthy otherwise. It didn't say like, oh, you're diabetic or something. Right, right. Everything else, like squeaky clean. Okay. And it wasn't even like the insurance company did their medical and found something weird. It was that, you know, they ask you, have you seen any specialists? And then they want the contact information for every doctor you've seen in the last five years. And then they go digging into your medical chart. The sales guy I was dealing with at the time said, you know, wait a few years, try again later. So I did. And then meanwhile, fast forward a few years later and I'm back about maybe a year, year and a half ago, I tried again. And meanwhile, I've since been divorced. And it seems even more important to me now, not only was I the primary earner at the time, which it seemed important then, but now I'm, you know, solo head of household with a child. And my income is everything. So the whole idea of ensuring my income, if I were to suddenly become unable to work or something catastrophic happened, Again, seems like a good thing to do and something that would help me sleep at night. Yeah. But in the meanwhile, um, you know, I go through the whole process again and they ask me, oh, 
what specialists have you seen in the last five years? And I'm thorough and I'm giving them the names and contact information of everyone I think I'm supposed to give them. And, um, of course, I had been divorced and still sort of interacting with my ex-husband because we're raising a child together and all this stuff and lost a parent very suddenly. And so there's been therapy on my record. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. Like, hello. I mean, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Of course, the insurance agent person asks the contact info for the therapist, and I dutifully give him the contact info, and then they call them up, and then they get a whole report. And, you know, any practicing therapist needs to have some sort of diagnosis code in your record. because Yes, that's the only way to get reimbursed. Right. So, you know, and they try to, if it's like a situational, like, life and spaghetti hits the fan sort of time in your life, they'll sort of put something generic down, like anxiety, not otherwise specified, right? Right. The disability insurance people, you know, that freaks them out because in their model, you know, anxiety or any kind of depression or whatever is a risk factor for disability. And so... Again, the application, second time around, got denied. (laughs) This sucks. And I'm going to tell you, the the only other reason why it it sucks, besides just getting denied, is that when you're denied, you're more likely to get denied. Right. That's the thing that's like the circular, weird catch-22 of this. Right, right. And this was several years later, so I thought maybe it clears the air, you know, Mm -hmm. and the whole original reason I was denied was way in the background. They didn't have to go looking at that. And so... So now, I mean, talk about anxiety. Now I, I, I've got it because I can't get a policy that will help me have some sort of safety net mm. if I suddenly can't work. Right. Granted, there is there are some benefits with my employer. Yeah, tell me about that. So let's let's back up a second. How old are you, Lisa? Forty-one. Okay, and so you got a nine-year-old. Any other kids? No. Okay, and you're working at a company right now, or are you self-employed? working at a company. Okay. How much do you earn? About 120. Great. Fabulous. On the 120, are you living okay on that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ex-husband contribute at all? No. Are you putting money into your retirement plan from the yeah. 120? How much are you putting away? I'm putting in 6%, but my employer actually matches quite a bit as well. And mm-hmm. then I've also got a Roth IRA. Okay. Employer match like 10%? It adds up to 6.5% that they're putting in. Beautiful. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a, a for-profit or non-for-profit? Non-profit. Okay. And as part of your standard benefits through the company, are you entitled to disability insurance? Yes. And what is yeah. that? Is it a, is it a, you know, many times what a company will do is they say, oh, it's a standard benefit. If something happens to you, your disability will pay you 60% of your income. Is that about what it is? It is, right. Okay. But I've been hoping to find something that would follow me elsewhere if I were to leave the job or get laid off, which is always a possibility. Right. So. You're sure that that disability insurance is not what's called portable? I'm sure. Sure, it's not portable. Okay, not portable. Yeah. That's stinky. Okay. Because um, many of these are. Okay. So you wanted to get an outside private policy that would cover you. Are you, so what do you do for a living? Uh, I do research in a nonprofit research firm okay. in the healthcare space. You know, you're sort of in this weird place, which is you've already applied, you get dinged. I feel like maybe you have a sh- crappy, did you like that? Sh- crappy. <laughs> 
I think you have a you might have a crappy insurance person that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that you may want to talk to somebody else who will give you who will kind of walk you through a process of, you know what, we can get you disability, but it's going to cost more because mm-hmm. it may be that, as you know, because you're in this industry, your health record is taken into account every time you apply for insurance. Right. I'm so surprised that this day and age that yeah. it is held against you because as a woman from New York and I'm talking mm-hmm. to a woman from the Bay Area, I would say mm-hmm. that like 85 percent of the people applying for DI have seen a shrink. Right. So it's hard to imagine that this should be a, a pre-existing condition. Yeah. What I think you may want to do is get another agent to take a look at this. I think that what I'll do is I'm going to make sure that I get you somebody who can help you out just to at least see someone who can talk to you about this situation. If every possible avenue is exhausted, Mm -hmm. let's talk about really what your options are. The options are you self-insure, which means you put away money. So right now, how much money is in your retirement account? With my employer-based account, it's about two ten, and then my Roth IRA is around fifty. Great, perfect, wonderful. Do you um, have that lovely situation of maybe coming from a family that might leave you some money inheritance-wise? Perhaps, yes, um, but it's unknown, and I I don't expect anything like it's unknown, and I refuse to ask. <laughs> I right. I mean, I've been told there will likely be something, but then I'm also. I mean, my mom will just keep going and going for who knows. Yeah, I mean, if something got, a lot of energy, right? So, and if God forbid yeah. something happened to you, I'm sure that your family would help out. I mean, I really just wanted to find out: is there like some extra safety net for you from a family perspective? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you own or rent where you live? Rent. You rent. And how much is your rent? 2100 Okay. It's not bad. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. I mean, let's see if we can get you some help. Let me get some names of people who might be able to help you out. Mark, why don't you ask uh, Goodman for somebody who can, uh, he's a friend of ours, friend of the pod, um, who can maybe help out our friend Lisa here and see if we can get an expert who does long-term disability and guide you through the process because I agree it would be smart for you to have it you do have coverage now that's the good news let's see if we can patch up this one hole in what is otherwise seeming like a very good financial situation okay so hang on Mark's gonna get your information and we're gonna follow up with you okay great thank you so much oh, of course so my helpful. pleasure and we'll see what we can do so we're gonna help out Lisa and now we're gonna help out someone else who sent us an email remember you can send us an email ask Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. Jesse writes, I have a question regarding prioritizing a down payment versus saving for retirement. I'm 27. My husband's 29. We've got 50 grand in retirement accounts, 60,000 in savings for a house. We would like to buy a house within the next three years. Hopefully a fixer upper with cash. My husband is a contractor. Oh, why didn't I marry a contractor? Mark, wouldn't have that been great if we married contractors? Instead of financial babes, hmm, they can do nothing. Uh, Anyway, our market is expensive. Currently, we're saving $22,000 a year for retirement, $30,000 for the down payment. My question is, should we scale back our retirement savings to the point of just our employer matches for just a brief period so we have enough to buy a house? 
I would strongly prefer to buy a house with cash, but that won't be possible if we keep trying to do both. Why do you want to buy a house in cash? Jesse, come on. I mean, mortgage rates are very reasonable. You know, we're, we're sitting here at four and a half, even if it went to 5%. I just don't feel like at age 27 and 29, it makes a ton of sense for you to pay cash. If you are uh, essentially freaking out, then fine. But otherwise, just do what you're doing. Save a bunch of money. Take a mortgage out. If you hate having a mortgage, later on you can pay it down more quickly. Okay? Fabulous. Okay, next. Here is Marcy who is asking a question. Uh, She listened to our podcast with Gary Shatsky. Remember, he was the fee-only planner, and it was about annuities. And Marcy writes, I retired early, and my financial advisor suggested that I take my 401k and move it into an annuity. I've been in it for the last seven years. I'm going to move it into something else that doesn't have the high fees. What do you suggest I move to? Marcy, great question. First of all, because it's already a retirement account, it's probably currently a an IRA rollover, so you can just move it somewhere else. How about something cheaper? I mean, first of all, by the way, you don't have a financial advisor. You have a financial salesperson because no advisor, nobody who really wants to take care of you and put you first would take a 401k and put it into an IRA rollover and buy an annuity. That's just bad. So you can move it into a brokerage account. You could move it into a place where you can buy low-cost index funds. You could also move it to an online financial advisor like our sponsor, Betterment. I mean, all these choices will reduce the fees that you are paying enormously. I bet you're paying 2 maybe 3% a year to be in that annuity. Just look at getting your pricing down. What if you could save 2% a year simply by moving the asset out of the annuity into a low-cost investment structure. That's what I would do. Good luck, Marcy, because, boy, that's going to save you money. And you know, everyone, when you when you think about it, when you save money on your fees, it literally falls to your own bottom line. It's amazing. All right, let me do a quickie. Uh, Sunil writes, uh, I'm 38 years old, and I need your advice about a 401k. I'm married. My household income is $235,000. Should I invest in a Roth 401k or a regular 401k, Roth IRA or regular IRA? We are planning to buy a home in six months. We're maxing out both our 401ks, our IRAs, and we also have an HSA. Okay, I think that I would do a Roth always. We're stressing the Roth because tax rates have dropped dramatically. In this situation, forgetting about the home, just looking at your plain old tax bracket, you're married filing jointly. You make between $165,000 and $315,000. You're in the 24% tax bracket. That's a pretty low tax bracket. So what would I do? I would always use the Roth option. Good for you. Good for you that you're buying a house. Choose the Roth because I think that generally speaking, your tax rate, it could go up over the course of time. Okay, let's finish out some of these emails. Oh, getting through the email box. I'm so psyched. Anna writes, hope you're having a great summer. I am, Anna. Thank you. Do you have any recommendations for short-term investments? I want to save for a down payment for a home. I want to be able to withdraw the money within two years. 
I know there must be better options than a generic savings account. Oh, yes, absolutely. One thing that you can do is you can go to depositaccounts.com or bankrate.com, and you'll see that there are a lot of different options. There are short-term CDs. There are uh, money market accounts. I just literally just pulled it up right now. And here I'm looking at different savings rates. They've got one, two, three, four, five different banks that are paying over 1.75%. They've got different banks that are paying over 2%. you got to read the fine print. But yes, there are better options. The place that I always look, depositaccounts.com or bankrate.com. And there I think you'll be able to find some better alternatives. But remember, do not put this money at risk. You need the money within the next two years. You cannot afford to lose it. All right? Hey, thanks for writing, Anna. And I hope you're having a great summer, too. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. Okay, we're going to get back to our special episode that is devoted to you. You, our listener, in just a second. Uh, But just a moment here to talk about your financial life. Because obviously you're sending me emails, you're asking me questions because you want to get a better grip on what you are doing, right? How do you know you're saving and investing for the life you want? Fortunately, our sponsor, Betterment, is here to change that. It is designed to help customers build wealth, plan for retirement, and achieve their financial goals. Isn't that great? I mean, I think that's kind of a lofty mission, right? Help your customers make the most out of their money. How does Betterment do that? Betterment takes complex investing strategies and uses technology to make them more efficient. They also provide access to unlimited personalized advice from licensed experts. Very easy. Of course, all investing does involve risk. But you, our Better Off listeners, you can get up to one year managed free at Betterment. For more information, visit Betterment.com slash BetterOff. That's Betterment.com slash BetterOff. Okay, back to your questions. And next up is Jenny, who's on the line from Seattle. Hello, Jenny. What can we do for you? Ah, Jill. So, uh, good morning. Thanks for agreeing to chat with me. Um, So, my husband and I recently inherited a shit ton of money. Um, under some pretty awful circumstances. Oh, I'm sorry. And, yeah, uh, you know, cancer doesn't care if you're a, a savvy saver. Um, no, but it... your relatives do. So I'm, I'm super grateful to my dad and his, um, his financial acumen. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It, it is weird. I find that it's very strange when someone dies, and then all of a sudden it's like this money thing goes boom right into your life, and it yeah. does make. The process is strange because, like, you're in your grieving process, but then you've got to make decisions. So it's tough. It's really tough. So I'm very sorry for your loss. What was the inheritance that he left you? So he left us, um, each my brother and sister as well, um, $707,000 in a beneficiary IRA and then uh, three grand in a rollover IRA. Seven hundred and seven. Hold on a second. Quick question: seven oh seven total or seven oh seven each? Uh, each. Oh, that's yeah. a serious number. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, he had he had just retired. Oh. And, like, cancer like blacked him out of nowhere, 
And Aww. so, he, he, like, he had this huge pot of money that he was, like, planning on spending. And, like, tra- mm. like he, I mean, he had been traveling. He had been dumping money like he was at a strip bar, you know. So, like, he had, he had really enjoyed a lot of the, the money that he had made. So you've got this big pile of money. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am a medical social worker working in a primary care clinic. I graduated um, with my master's degree in 2016, it was a career change. Um, I'm, I'm 35 years old. My husband's 33. And the, my, my early 20s, I was actually an adult film star and made a ton of money but didn't save any of it. Hold on. So. This is a first for the program. <laughs> this is a first for the program. I, I feel very honored that you are the first. Oh, well, thank you. I feel honored to be the first. All right. So... Um, so you've made this amazing shift. How fantastic is that? Do you guys have kids? Uh, we do. We actually just had our first daughter. Um, you might hear her squealing in the background. Uh, but she was she was actually born two days after my dad died. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. Oh, this We're is... just trying to feel all of the feelings at once. Oh, my here. God. I mean, talk about the cycle of life and the circle of life. My gosh. So now you are a social worker, and yes. does your husband work? He does. He is um, he is a customer service manager of a, a big operation that handles uh, beverage departments for some of the bigger companies mm-hmm. in Seattle. Okay. And how are you guys doing together? Forgetting about this, uh, this inheritance, how are you doing in sure. terms of your total cash flow together? Yeah, I mean, so as it stands, we're bringing in about 110 thousand combined which in seattle is basically the poverty no it's middle class don't say poverty (laughs) (laughs) but it is it's i understand the cost of living is very steep there yeah yeah um yeah so we're so we're bringing in about 110 combined my finances are due to change and i'm only working three days a week and i'm I'm bringing in about 50 grand Mm -hmm. um so if i were to work full-time uh that would go up now you said you went back to get your uh master's did you pay for that out of cash flow, or did you get a loan? I got a loan, so I have I have seventy four grand in uh, student debt, so three different loan group rates. Would you say it's like mostly uh, five to six percent ish, three to three, four, five, six percent ish? Yep, three okay. to five point six percent. Okay, good. Um, and so you've got that. Any other credit card debt? Uh, no credit. Well, I mean, we use a credit card instead of our debit card so that we can get miles, but mm-hmm. we pay it off every single month. Um, and then uh, we have a car, mm-hmm. and that's like ten grand. Okay, we're, we've been we've been paying that off. So. Okay, that's good. So now you've got this life changing event, at emotionally, yeah. but also financially. And so yeah. let's talk about this money that you have now inherited, which is approximately $710,000. Tell me what you're thinking about in terms of what that money is going to be earmarked for in your mind. Well, so when, when my dad got his cancer diagnosis, which was actually only three weeks before he died, um, he, you know, he, he was a straight shooter and mm-hmm. he he's straight to the point. We have a a long family history of, of medical professionals. So he called us up and he said, you're going to inherit a shit ton of money. This is how I envision you spending it and mm-hmm. managing it. And so he had wanted us to take out 
enough for um, a two-year emergency fund. He estimated about 50 grand. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wanted us to take out enough to cover at least 20% of the down payment on a home. Mm -hmm. And then he wanted us to leave the rest of it untouched in the beneficiary IRA, which is no problem. Except that, of course, I'm going to trump your father's wishes in one second. I'm going to absolutely give you the advice that's in your best interest, okay? And then we're going to go and we're going to also make sure that we keep your dad's wishes in mind as we do that, okay? So Mm -hmm. quick question for you. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got the retirement assets. Are there any other assets that are due in? Did he have a bank account? Did he have anything else? In other words, are you due more or is it this is the seven ten the the total? So he um, he had owned a house, and um, there was still some to pay off. But he had actually withdrawn enough money from his four hundred one or his rollover so that I could pay off the mortgage before we closed out probate and everything. Mm-hmm. So the house will be paid for in full um, before the distribution of assets goes. My dad had wanted my little sister to purchase the house from my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but his, his first request was that we renovate the house and then throw a giant party in it. So we've renovated the house and we're getting ready for the party. The party's uh, coming up in two weeks, actually. Um, and so we have to have it reassessed. But before the renovation started, it was valued at 330000 I'm guessing it'll it'll gain at least Thirty grand, but probably not much more than that. It's, it'll, it's already like priced out of the neighborhood. Yeah, I was just going to say. So you're going to get 120 grand at some point in the next few months, and so okay, this is kind of this works out beautifully. How much do you guys have, or you and your husband have right now, in sort of a safe emergency fund? Because Dad said he wanted you to have 50. What do you have already? So we have 20. 20. Okay, great. Yeah, we have 20 and then eight, like eight grand that we sort of work with um, in our other funds. But we have 20. Let's call it 20. Okay. Untouched. Yep. Perfect. All right. Now, so then you're going to have this money that comes in from the sale of the house, which is great. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to need to be thinking about a house. I mean, what do you got to pay to buy a house in Seattle? So the neighborhood that we that we currently live in, that we would obviously love to buy in, mm-hmm. um, homes are pricing at about um, eight nine hundred thousand, and they're selling for at least twenty percent over asking price. Oh, good God! So where would you go? So we talked about Texas um, uh, because it's it's a tax friendly yep. state. Um, there's uh, my my husband's company is also down there, so he could transfer easily. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a therapist, so I'm I'm portable. Uh, we've talked about Ohio. I think I have a rough game plan of what I'm thinking about. So right okay. now, for you guys, um, you're are you guys putting money away into retirement in general right now? Yeah, we are. So he has twenty grand in his rollover four hundred one k from a last job. Mm-hmm. His new job, he's putting in six percent with a employer match at six mm-hmm. percent. Mm. Um, I've just qualified for the employee four hundred one through my company, and so I'm actually putting in ten percent, uh, trying to make up some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think they're four percent contribution, um, and then I I had started a Roth IRA last year, like as soon as I got done with college to try and, so I wasn't sure what I would have to 401k. So there's only about two grand in there though. All right. I got a game plan for you. You ready? Here's what we're going to do. First of all, you're not going to do anything right now because, you know, you don't need, there's nothing, like there's no gun to your head. So what I think is going to happen is once you get the money from the sale of the house, 
you said, you know, you're going to get this, say, let's say it's 120000 The first thing you're going to do is from that 120 is you're going to put thirty grand into your emergency reserve. You know why? Because your dad's probably right. Have two years in the bank. What the hell? It's not the worst thing in the world. It makes your life a little bit easier, right? So now we've got ninety grand that's left. The smartest thing that you probably could do that would relieve your cash flow would be to pay off your student loans. However, yeah. however, if you think you're going to buy a house sooner rather than later, then I might want to keep some of that money set aside also for your house purchase. Because in some respects, I'd almost prefer that you leave the inherited IRA alone for as long as you can. I mean, you have to probably take distributions because mm-hmm. he was already in distribution. Was he taking distributions already? Yeah, yeah, we have taken take minimum card. Okay. There's kind of two choices here. One is, hey, right now, I'm going to just take this chunk of money, this 120. I'm going to get my emergency reserve fund topped off to 50. I'm going to take the rest of the money and I'm going to pay down all my student loans and my car loan. And I'm done. And that's it. And that's what we just do. And for then, then we start to really consider what are we going to do in terms of buying a house? And if you do buy a house, then you could conceivably just pull money from the reti- from the inherited IRA pay the tax that's due, and Mm -hmm. buy yourself a house. It really depends on when the house purchase you think is going to take place. If you really don't think, if you're like, hey, look, you know what? I want to stay in Seattle. I'm going to rent for a while. I'm going to leave my options open. Then I don't think that there's a reason to keep this money set aside. If you really are like, thinking I'm going to Texas and Texas is happening like by 2019, the end of 2019, I want to buy a house. You know, you have to really decide how fast you want to make that happen. In my experience, not making huge choices and big moves right after someone dies and someone has a baby is probably like a better plan. You've got a lot of things that have just happened to you. You're juggling a ton of stuff. And I think what might make you feel really happy and settled is a whole lot of nothingness in terms of finishing yeah. out what you got to do. Don't go for to five days a week of work. There's no need to. Just do that what never you... never worked out. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. So you just say, okay, now I basically got dad's wishes done. I bet if he were alive, he'd be like, you're not paying six per five and a half percent for some dumb loan. You're going to pay that off. Yeah. And so um, you can clear the decks, mm-hmm. have nice cash flow. You can save more money in your retirement accounts because now you don't have to make the payments on the student loans or the car, right? Mm-hmm. And now you can yeah. put a little bit more in your retirement account and settle down and relax and don't worry about buying a house this second. You can then really give yourself some time and an opportunity to find a place where you want to raise that little girl who's got a beautiful soprano and um, <laughs> just chill, just like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I- I'm okay with that. You know, I, m- my dad had, he was, he was a firm believer of like money earmarks for one thing can easily be redirected to another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he didn't know the depth of our financial situation. He knew I took out loans and um, yeah. I don't think he, he knew the, the details of it. And I think this is something that he would get behind. And frankly, um, if we were to pay off the car and my student debt um, or a large chunk of my student debt, it's free up at least seven, eight hundred bucks a month that we could redirect towards a different savings. Right. Right. And I think that that's to me, I think it gives you plenty of options. And, you know, you're making 
this amazing legacy. You are really making the most of it. As you think about your life going forward, um, you know, it, it also clears out all, you know, any impediment. You've got so many different options and there's no rush. There's no rush. I mean, your father did uh, such a mitzvah for you. I know that, you know, it's it's tough to sort of say, like, this good thing happened to me as this horrible thing happened to me. But yeah. I think that you are going to be financially in very good shape. And just don't worry. You don't have to make any huge decisions quickly. But otherwise, you are in very good shape, Jenny, from Seattle, maybe from Texas, maybe from Ohio, and maybe from Tennessee, for all I know. I cannot thank you enough for sharing this pretty intense story with us. We'll be here for you if you need anything else, and let us know if we can help you out, okay? Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate your time. A pleasure. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Thank you all for calling and for sending us emails. It's really been so great. Remember, if there is anything on your mind financially, just give us a jingle. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. We drop new episodes of this program every Tuesday and Thursday. If you don't want to miss an episode, the easiest thing to do is to actually say, hey, I want to subscribe to Better Off. You can do that at Apple, Google Play, Radio.com, Stitcher, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. If you have more questions, you want more content, you can always go to our website, JillOnMoney.com. We even have a free newsletter. It's kind of cool. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is the best executive producer in the entire universe. We are distributed by Cadence 13, and we're sponsored by Betterman. See you next week. 